0: Today is May 25th, 2023. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. Welcome to another edition of the Boxing Podcast. I'm here to break down all the best fights in the sport of boxing. This weekend, we have an excellent matchup between Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko. But before I get into that, I wanted to discuss a few of the things that happened this past weekend. Over on Showtime, you had a triple header. Pretty much went as expected, except for the main event, which was extremely controversial. But let me get into that opening bout, which I predicted would be the fight of the weekend. Not only was it the fight of the weekend, it could be argued that that was fight of the year. Kenneth Sims versus Bater Akhmadov was a non-stop action. Extremely close. Razor thin, in fact. I had Kenneth Sims just barely getting by. With a decision. Real good fight. He landed the cleaner shots to me. Akhmadov was no slouch though. Like I said it was really close. It was back and forth. Whenever one guy had the advantage. In the next round. The opposite would happen. Extremely fun fight. Check that out if you haven't. Again that was on Showtime. Kenneth Sims Jr. Versus Bater. Akhmadov. Great fight in the 140 pound division. Which I stated in last week's episode. That that is the deepest division in boxing but all eyes were on the main event roley romero challenging for a championship in his first fight at the new weight of 140 pounds in his previous fight he was knocked out by tank in this fight he gets dropped early by the 40 year old and most people on social media were talking about his opponent because he was 40 years of age but the guy looked closer to 80 years old guy looked horrible but anyway he didn't fight horribly. We knew going into this fight that Barroso was heavy-handed. He showed that early. He drops Roley in the third round with, I believe it was a straight left hand up against the ropes. Rolly was more off balance than anything, but still a big shot, knocked him down, and it really rattled Roley's confidence for the remainder of the fight. It wasn't up until the ninth round where Roley started to really do some damage. Um, I thought he dominated that round. He drops Barroso early in that round and then gets extreme, an extremely controversial decision. I don't know what referee Tony Weeks was seeing. goes back to something I've been talking about. We need younger guys in boxing as far as referees and judges go. You can't have these old guys reffing and judging fights. It's just ridiculous. This guy... I don't know if he was corrupt, if he had a bad angle, if he was nervous because he was involved in a fight earlier this year, or maybe it was late last year, where David Morell sent a guy into a coma. The guy was on life support. Maybe that was leaking into his thought process. Maybe he said, this guy's 40 years old. I don't want to see this guy be sent to the hospital. I don't want to see this guy's life at risk. Let me stop this early. Or maybe, like I said, it was a bad angle. He's behind them. Maybe he looked like he was really, really hurt. And I do believe Barossa was hurt, but nowhere near hurt enough that he couldn't continue fighting. This guy was coherent. He was ready to continue. Um, Maybe he would have got dropped later in the round. Maybe he would have got dropped again in the next round. We don't know. But the fact is, he didn't get a chance to prove that because it was taken away from him. Tony Weeks should be ashamed of himself. If he looks back at the footage, looks back at the replay, he'll know one of two things. Either, hey, I did my job as a corrupt official, or I did a horrible job and cost this man who's 40 years old a shot at a championship, something that he may never get again in his life. Not only is he 40 years old, Barroso is a guy who's always a B-side type fighter. He's a guy that, like I said, has heavy hands, Nobody is just willing to fight this guy if they're not forced to. The only, way, the only reason he got this title shot was because the champion, Alberto Puello, tested positive for a substance, a banned substance. That's the only reason Barroso came into this fight. He was a late replacement. Barroso isn't going to get many other opportunities, especially at his age. But like I said, this is guy has gone through hell on earth, literally. Rolly Romero tells a story before the fight saying that this guy had a weigh-in in in a previous fight. And while he was at the weigh-in, which usually takes place the day before the fight, while he's at the weigh-in, he's crying because his wife was murdered in his home country of Venezuela. So not only does this guy get the news that his wife died, he has to fight the very next day. And he wins that fight. This guy has been through a lot. And you can tell, that's probably why it looks like he's 80 years old. The guy's been through it all. So you really feel for guys like this who get the short end of the stick. Now, with that being said, do I believe the momentum in the fight shifted? Absolutely, I do. I think Roley Romero was going to get the stoppage, a real legitimate stoppage. But that was taken away from him. So the fact is, all of the discussion about this fight is about how bad the stoppage is, not about Roley becoming champion. Not about Barroso putting on a hell of a, of a performance for a 40-year-old. None of that is what's being talked about. Not even what I mentioned at the top of this podcast. A fight-of-the-year caliber fight between Sims and Akhmedov. No one's talking about that either. They're talking about the controversy. Some would say all publicity is good publicity. This got people talking about boxing. This got people talking about Roly Romero. What's next for Roly? We'll have to see. I think all the money is there for him and Ryan Garcia to have a fight. But supposedly he has a mandatory in O'Hara Davis. If that's the case, that fight needs to be made within the next 120 days. We'll see if they enforce that though. Boxing, again, is very corrupt in ways. And this isn't anything new. This has been going on since the beginning of time. That's why I laugh after that controversial stoppage when people are saying, Oh my God, this is crazy. How can boxing do this? This is bad for the sport. It's like, where have you guys been? It's like people have short memories. Bad stoppages happen all the time. Not only do bad stoppages happen where, it's, where it should have continued, you have fights that continue for too long. Like I said, guys with brain damage, guys dying in the ring. I believe there's an average of 13 fighters per year in the sport of boxing that die. This is a very, very dangerous sport. But it also is corrupt. And corruption has gone on for centuries in this sport. So if you just want to point to bad refereeing, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Because while it was a horrible stoppage, I totally agree. Bad referees are commonplace in all professional sports. I was at my mom's house this past weekend for Mother's Day. And before I left, I was watching some of the Game 7 of uh, the Boston Celtics and the 76ers. NBA Eastern Conference Finals, and I'm not a big NBA fan anymore, but I glanced over a few times at the TV, and I witnessed three bad calls within about two minutes, all in the second quarter, and all three went against the Celtics. There was a backcourt violation that wasn't called on the Sixers. There was an out-of-bounds off the foot of a 76er that was called out on the Celtics, and there was a foul on a shot that was non-existent. The Celtics ended up winning by blowing them out, so these calls weren't really complained about as much or won't be in the future, but I'm sure Boston fans were furious in that moment because they were down at the time. My point is horrible calls happen all the time. It just so happened I saw that within literally like three minutes. So I see people tweeting about bad NBA calls all the time. I'm a huge fan of the NFL. I witnessed missed calls during literally every game so much so in fact I don't even get bothered by it anymore because it happens so frequently it's not even worth wasting my energy on I'll be constantly complaining so to think this only happens in boxing you're naive you need to watch other sports this happens everywhere but I get it it's hard to call something live right there on the spot with television cameras all over you A crowd going crazy behind you. It's a hard job. I wouldn't want to do it. It's easy for us to critique it. We got HD. We got replays. We got 4K. We got slow motion. It is easy. But to act like it doesn't happen often, you're bugging. It happens everywhere. But enough about bad officiating and controversial decisions and things like that. Let's talk about this Saturday. Saturday night on ESPN Pay-Per-View, we have the Undisputed Championship title fight. At lightweight. And lightweight is quickly becoming the most popular division in all of boxing. We're fresh off the Javante Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia fight. They sold 1.2 million pay-per-views. That was a massive success. But those who really know the sport. Know that that fight. Was between one elite fighter. Against a popular guy. A talented fighter. Who just simply wasn't on the level Of Javante Davis. This fight. May 20th. Is something much different. While I expect it to do. Just a fraction. Of the pay-per-view buys. As the previous event I just mentioned. This Saturday. In Las Vegas. We're going to witness. Two. Elite. Highly. Skilled. Technicians. Facing off in a battle. Of. Everything. That makes the sweet science. So beautiful to watch. You have the champion, Devin Haney, 29-0 with 15 knockouts, taking on Vasily Lomachenko, the Ukrainian, who is 19-2 with 11 knockouts. It's all about what happens in the ring between these two under the lights Saturday. But let's take a quick look at just how we got here. I want to talk about how these guys Were brought up. I know Mother's Day just passed. But these two fighters. Wouldn't be here without the love and dedication. Of their fathers. We got Lomachenko. Whose dad trained him as a kid. Really young age. He started training I believe like 6 or 7. Maybe even younger than that honestly. But at the age of 9 I believe it was. His dad pulled him away from the sport. Enrolled him in Ukrainian dance. He wanted his son's feet to be different than everyone else's in the sport, right? So before returning to his true passion of boxing, this dude put him in the dance classes. That right there is the type of dedication that leads Loma to not only possess an unbelievable amateur record, the guy was 396 and one. Think about that 396 and one. Ridiculous. But not only did he do that, he captured the Olympic gold on two different occasions. So this is where I'm kind of conflicted with Lomachenko. Because I remember, and I haven't had a Facebook in probably eight, seven or eight years. I remember being in one of those sports groups. Those familiar with Facebook know you have like different uh, groups you can join based on your interests and stuff like that. I was in a sports one. It wasn't even a boxing one. It was just a general sports one where you'd post about different sports and stuff. I remember, I remember posting about Lomachenko early in his career saying this guy is someone you need to pay attention to. And I'm not saying I was the only guy to say that. Like I said, this guy is an Olympic gold medalist, highly touted amateur record, had a huge backing um, by HBO and Top Rank at that time. But there were naysayers saying like he's too small to be a star. And it's funny because we're coming off of 1.2 million pay-per-view buys for guys in the same weight class. But I remember talking about Loma way back but somewhere between then and now, he's become so polarizing. And it's it's quite crazy to think about, too, because it's so drastic. To some people, Loma is either the most overrated guy ever or he's the most underrated guy ever. I'm somewhere in between. This guy's legit. This guy was so dedicated to the Olympics, he became a pro later than most people because he served... Every obviously the, the Olympics is every four years, so he participated in two Olympics. He was older than most pros uh, when he when he initially turned pro. So due to that, he was fast tracked once he arrived. He fought for a world title in like his second pro fight, and it was that fight he realized the pros were much different. He suffered his first loss, got roughed up by Orlando Salido. But he captured a world title in his very next fight and eventually became the fastest three weight champion in boxing history. He did that in like 12 professional fights. Ridiculous. That is special. Then, later in his career, he goes on a stretch where he earns the nickname No Moschenko. This guy was making people quit big time. Successful professional fighters quit. He made four consecutive world-class fighters, championship caliber, quit. Didn't knock them out cold when they had no choice. No, they made a conscious decision to say, we do not want to fight anymore. Think about that. He took a guy, Nicholas Walters, who was a world champion, 26-0, 21 knockouts. Nicholas Walters was killing dudes on HBO. Including future Hall of Famer. Nonito Donaire, One of my favorite fighters. Knocks him out. Nicholas Walters gets in there with Lomachenko. And basically began pissing down his leg. He had no answers. He gave up. He said no more. I do not want to fight. I do not want to continue. He found the nearest exit. This guy. Doesn't box again. For seven years. Years. I'm going to let that sink in. Killer of a world champion. Knocking out future Hall of Famers. Says, you know what? Not only can I not fight anymore right now. I'm taking seven years away from the sport. He made Loma made this guy reconsider his life decisions. Fast forward to 2019. Lomachenko is viewed as pound for pound the best fighter in the world by a lot of pundits. A lot of magazines. A lot of... Um, news outlets, ESPN, and things like that. Guy's viewed, if he's not viewed as number one, he's definitely viewed as top three. And around that time, Devin Haney is making big noise on the scene. Let's go to Devin Haney real quick. Talking about fathers here. Devin Haney's father had different plans for his son. Haney could have went the Olympic route, and he probably would have been a favorite to win gold. But Haney's dad, Bill, C- Bill Haney, had other plans for his son. He traveled with his son to Mexico so Devin could turn pro at 17 years old. Something that isn't even allowed here in the United States. Got to be 18. So a young Devin Haney, teenager, is fighting grown men in random bars in Mexico. That's how he earned his respect. He's gaining priceless experience along the way fighting warriors in Mexico. Bill Haney also brings his son all around the U.S., mostly Vegas, but other parts of the U.S., Detroit, things like that, picking the brain of guys you may have heard of them, Roy Jones Jr., Floyd Mayweather Jr., Floyd Mayweather Sr., there's an excellent trainer in the U.K., Ben Davison, who was in his camp for a little while, and many others, While some people would say that's too many cooks in the kitchen, Haney's philosophy is this. He could take whatever he likes from all these different fighters and discard the stuff he doesn't really feel will help him. So why not learn from legends who have already been where he wants to go? That's what he did. He went there and he picked the brain of all of these legendary fighters and trainers and formed his own style. There's videos of Haney when he was like 16 years old, 15 years old, maybe even younger, honestly. He's got braces in his mouth. He's with Floyd Mayweather in the, in the Mayweather gym. And Floyd's saying, this kid right here is going to break all my records. You can find that on YouTube, actually. Haney also used like social media to his advantage. He remained a free agent for a while. He was just building his name on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, just becoming a star on his own without that big promotional backing. An organic way, kind of a grassroots field of his his career. And then you fast forward, like I said, 2019, where Loma is the guy, according to all these pundits, according to all these writers, he's the number one. But Haney, who's in the same division, positioned himself to be Loma's mandatory. Now, Loma was looking to unify or actually become undisputed, and he wanted to fight Tiafimo Lopez because Tio had just. Gained a championship of his own. Knocking out Richard Comey. This was during. This was around the pandemic. This was actually right before the pandemic hit. 2019. So Lomachenko's team. Doesn't want to fight Devin Haney. They want to go a different route. They. Write. Or file a request rather. To the WBC. To become. Franchise champion. When you're a franchise champion. That means you can avoid your mandatories. You're still recognized as the best fighter in your division, but you can avoid mandatories and make pretty much whatever fight you want. So they opt not to fight Haney, even after being confronted about it. You could actually watch this on the blood, sweat, and tears special they made leading up to this fight. Loma's team, and they admit this, they tell Devin Haney and Bill Haney, no, we ain't fighting you. You have nothing to offer. Your son hasn't done anything yet even though he's earned mandatory status. But since then, the tables turn because Lomachenko avoids Haney. He goes into the fight in the COVID era in 2020 against Tiafimo Lopez. He loses that fight to Tiafimo Lopez. Tio, who takes Lomachenko's belts, goes on to fight George Cambosos. Cambosos upsets Tiafimo. So those belts are now on Cambosos. And... Devin Haney, in the meantime, is racking up quality victories. He beats Jorge Linares. He beats Jojo Diaz, two really, really solid veteran fighters in that division. And he positions himself to fight George Cambosos. Because at the time, Lomachenko was involved in helping out the Ukraine, his country. They're involved in a war, as you know. So Loma was involved in that. Otherwise, Cambosa's wanted to fight Loma. He eventually fights Devin Haney. Haney agrees not only to go to to travel to Cambosa's home country of Australia, but he signs the contract stating, even if I win, we'll run it back again in Australia. So Haney is the one pushing for these big fights. He wants to fight Loma. Loma says no. So he goes through hard-hitting Jorge Linares. He goes through Jojo Diaz, and then he gets the championship fight against Cambosos, and he smokes him. Basically shuts him out in the first fight. The rematch was even more one-sided. Hurts Cambosos much more in that fight. So you've got Devin Haney, who goes to Australia. Young kid, traveling across the world, going overseas, taking that risk, fighting in his backyard, giving the guy all the concessions he asked for. Whatever he wanted, Devin Haney said, yes, that's how bad I want to be champion. So Devin Haney beats Cambosos twice. Now Devin Haney is the one with all the belts. Lomachenko is the guy chasing Devin Haney. And here we are, four years later, four years after Devin Haney wanted this fight originally. He's the champion. Loma's the challenger. These guys are going to get it on in Las Vegas. Real quick, as this entered my brain, I want to get it out before I forget. But boxing is unlike any other sport, really, if you think about it. You miss a game of, like, baseball, basketball. Football, not as much because there's only 16 of them. But baseball, you got 162 games. Basketball, I believe there's 82 games in the NBA. You miss a game, okay, you can catch the next one. In boxing, you miss a fight or two, you basically miss an entire year of that fighter's career. These two guys had very different 2022s. Loma fought Jermaine Ortiz, who... Is a good fighter, but just didn't have the experience. Had never been 12 rounds before that. Loma fights him in a highly competitive fight. Meanwhile, Devin Haney travels to Australia, like I said, becomes undisputed, wins the rematch, and dominates Cambosos over the course of 24 rounds. We'll see if those two play a factor into 2023 this Saturday. Haney versus Loma, to me, is a chess match. It's suitable because that's the graphic they have on ESPN for this fight. High-speed chess is what we're going to see. This fight will come down to adjustments. Haney has the athleticism, in my opinion, to match Lomachenko. That's something, that's an area where most of Lomachenko's opponents have been at a disadvantage. But there's been times where he's been in there with a superior athlete and it gave him issues. The Tiafimo Lopez fight is a perfect example. Tiafimo matched him with the foot speed. Every time Loma tried to pull an angle, Tio turned with him. Tio was right there to match him. Tio and Loma were kind of mirroring each other's movements in that fight. Very, very good performance by Teofimo Lopez. And it was easily the best performance of his career. He hasn't even come close to matching it since. So Devin Haney, much like Teofimo, is going to have to try and negate those angles. Because we know Loma comes with more angles than a geometry class the foot speed advantage will be something to pay close attention to. Sometimes we don't know who has the advantage in a specific department until we get to see them in the ring against each other. A couple of weeks ago, most of us assumed Ryan Garcia had a hand speed advantage over Javante Davis. After that fight took place, I don't believe that to be true at all. So going into this one, I think Loma has a slight advantage in foot speed. But we'll have to see him in there with Devin to Dream Haney. We don't know. I've been on record on this show saying I believe Bam Rodriguez and Shakur Stevenson currently have the best feet in boxing. I think they're never out of place. They make subtle movements that keep their opponents off balance. But I concede Vasily Lomachenko has the flashiest feet in boxing. And that is very key when it comes to judging And when it comes to crowd reaction and things like that, seeing his movements sometimes are jaw-dropping. When he's hitting them angles on an opponent, people are in awe because it looks amazing and it really stands out. Jumps off the screen when you're watching it at home. That will be a huge factor in this contest, possibly the most important factor. Another factor, we're talking about Loma here, his lead hand is extremely important. In this case, that'll be his right hand since he's a southpaw. Loma uses his jab as a Swiss army knife, that right hand. It's used to land, obviously, land a punch. But it's also used to set up his combinations. It's used to get a reaction, which opens you up for another power shot. It's used to gauge distance. But it's also used defensively. He keeps that jab out there for an extended period of time to manipulate your hand, to manipulate the opponent's lead hand. Sometimes he'll push your arm mid-punch. As you're punching, he's pushing your arm away. Sometimes he's pulling you off balance with that arm, like hooking it with his arm around yours. Sometimes he'll use it as a cross face, putting his arm or putting his glove in front of your eyes. Lomachenko has so many different tactics that not only create an opening for him to land, but those subtle maneuvers can put that mental pressure on an opponent that leads to mistakes. You're thinking, what is this guy going to do? What is that hand doing? What is he? Oh, he's putting his hand over my eyes? Like, I've never seen that before. He's pulling my arm down? Like, is that legal? What is this guy doing? Those are the things that Loma does better than most fighters in the entire sport. That's something that Haney has to train for. He has to negate that in some way. I don't know how he's going to do it. But there's a few ways he may be able to do it. Number one, of course, like I mentioned earlier, nullify that footwork. Haney can't get pushed back mentally. What I mean by that is Loma can't walk Haney down without throwing. He can't just move around him, use his feet, and push Haney back without throwing punches. That's wasting energy. Haney needs to force Loma to commit to throwing something. Haney needs to use lateral movement, constantly when Loma's pressing don't get your back against the ropes don't get pushed into a corner spin around Loma use the angle on him be first with your feet and your hands don't let Loma dictate the action with his movement another important thing is Devin Haney's jab in this fight I spoke about Loma's jab how he can use that hand not only to jab but to do a bunch of different things with it both offensively and defensively Devin Haney, on the other hand, he has one of the best jabs in boxing. I put him, Dimitri Bivel, and Jamal Charlo, if he ever fights again, as my top three jabs in boxing. Devin Haney's is so crisp. It's so versatile. He could throw it on the move. He could throw it stiff when he's standing still. He could spin around you and throw it. He could double up on it, triple up on it if he has to. He uses it to the body very well. All those things are amazing and on point. The thing that bothers me, though, is against a southpaw, the jab is harder to land. And Not only is Vasily Lomachenko a southpaw, but he's a very unorthodox southpaw because, like I said, that movement of his, not only the leg movement, but his upper body. He moves very well. He moves those arms very well. He's always moving that head in and out of position. He's he's much further away than he looks at times because he's there and then he's not. Devin Haney may find it very difficult to land that jab early. If he can't land it early, he must switch it up fast. You can't find yourself in a hole against Lomachenko. Lomachenko is a slow starter at times. You want to take advantage of that. If the jab isn't landing, start throwing straight right hands as a lead if that's not working use those uppercuts the thing about Devin Haney people talk about his power or lack thereof he's not a big puncher by any means but his punch selection is top notch and he throws combinations so if the jab isn't working you have to use something else I think right hooks to the body are going to be really effective in this fight he has to land them early I think if he can land them hooks early to the body and press forward early in this fight, take advantage of them slow rounds, jump out to a lead on Loma, you can make this a fairly easy fight because we know not only does athleticism bother Lomachenko, activity bothers Lomachenko. We saw that in the Tio fight as well. Tio wasn't landing these big shots by any means early in that fight. He was being patient. He was taking what Loma was giving to him. And he wasn't over committing. But he was staying active. His hands were constantly moving. Whether it was the jab. Or the straight right to the body. Or the check left hook. He kept Loma guessing. Loma doesn't want to jump in there. Number one. Because of the power that Tio had. But number two. The activity. He didn't want to run into something. While he may not have that fear. Of power against Haney. The activity. Will certainly bother him. Devin Haney needs to start fast, and I think he will. Devin Haney does start fast, always begins his fight. Very crisp, establishing dominance here. And I think that's what's going to happen Saturday night. Lomachenko, like I said, he starts kind of slow. He can't do that in this fight. He has to know. This is his goal to become undisputed. This is probably the most important fight of his career. Is Haney the best fighter that Loma's ever fought? We don't know that yet. We'll find out, but it certainly is the most important of his career because, like I said, Lomachenko has a great career already. He's going in the history books as a really, really exceptional fighter who's done some things that no one else has done. But if you end your career 19, or excuse me, 17-3, and that doesn't look good in hindsight. When people look back at this guy, they're going to say, this guy? 17-3? Seventeen and three? You know people don't like to dig deep. People don't like to go back and watch fights. They're gonna look at the box truck, they're gonna look at his stats or uh win and losses rather, and they're gonna say, This guy seventeen and three? Uh I don't know. He's not he's not special to me. That could hurt his legacy. He wins this fight. He's going down as not only the fastest three weight champion, but he's gonna go down as undisputed. People say the pressure's on Haney here. I think the pressure's all on Loma. Haney's young enough where he could bounce back. He could lose this fight and still have a very, very successful career. Not that he hasn't already, but he can go on and win other titles in different weight classes and things like that. Loma may not get this opportunity again. So Loma cannot start slow here. I think Loma needs to get inside to have success in this fight. He needs to be rough. Loma is one guy that is tough to tie up as well. If you watch the rematch between Cambosos and Haney, they actually counted, and I've never seen this before on a broadcast, they counted how many times Devin Haney clinched Kambosos. It was like a ridiculous number. It was, it was very high. Clinched him a lot of times. I'm not sure if he'll be able to do that against Loma. He is the bigger guy. He is a stronger guy, supposedly. But Lomachenko is always fighting stronger guys. He's always fighting bigger guys. He's a smaller man. That doesn't matter. Haney has these tactics down to a T where you try and grab him. He's fighting out of it. And not only is he fighting out of it, he is throwing punches while you're trying to clinch. He's throwing punches over your head, overhand lefts, hitting you on the side of the ear, things like that. There's no peace treaties when you're inside. You're not going to say, Oh, Oh, you're clinching me. Oh, let me stop fighting. No, this is a fight. Loma fights until a referee tells him, stop. Haney needs to realize that before this fight starts. Because if he gets in there and he's just trying to grab up Haney, I'm mean, excuse me, grab up Loma, it's not going to be very easy. Is it possible that he does? Maybe. He is a bigger guy. It's possible. But I think it's going to be very difficult. Loma is slippery in there. He's going to get out of the clinches and he's going to let off shots, big shots, just like he did to Teofimo Lopez. Teo was very surprised by it. Tio didn't have the experience. Devin Haney is more experienced than Tiafimo. But still, I worry about that because I haven't seen him in that scenario where a guy's getting rough with him on the inside. Haney is not a rough fighter. Haney is a finesse fighter. While he does throw great combinations, does have an amazing punch selection, he is a finesse technical fighter. Loma is technical as well, but he has that roughness to him. So that's another thing to keep an eye on in the inside because Loma's going to get inside if he's going to have any success. If he doesn't get inside, this is going to be a long night. This could be a shutout type fight if Lomachenko fails to get inside. But I believe he will get inside at some point. It's just a matter of when. If he can do it early, it'll be a long night for Haney. If it takes him six rounds to get inside like he did against Tio, then it's going to be a long night for Lomachenko. Another thing Devin Haney really needs to worry about is leaning to his right against Loma. He does this in most of his fights as a defensive strategy, a defensive tactic, but that could play into Loma's hands. We saw this against Jojo Diaz. Jojo Diaz is a southpaw. That's the last southpaw that Devin Haney fought. That was a competitive fight. Loma, excuse me, Jojo, landed some big looping left hands in that fight. If Loma can land those same shots... That could be his key to victory right there. If Devin Haney dips his head uh, to the right against Loma, right into that shot, that would be a huge, huge mistake. He needs to feint in this fight. He needs to throw those straight right hands in this fight, like I mentioned earlier. That is the key. The punch selection of Devin Haney, the conditioning of Devin Haney, the IQ of Devin Haney, I think will lead him to a convincing victory in this fight. He can keep the distance, he can be more active, and he could sit down on his punches more and make this fight look one-sided. I think we're going to see something like a 9-3, to 8-4 to victory here for Devin Haney. I think that's how good Devin Haney is. I don't want to knock Lomachenko. I think Lomachenko is amazing as well, but Devin Haney is just a better fighter in my opinion. We're going to find out Saturday night. Lomachenko may come in with that fire and rush Devin Haney and get on the inside early and make this a dogfight. That's a possibility. That could happen. But I just don't see a way that Devin Haney loses this fight. I really don't. I would be shocked if it happens, but it's not impossible by any means. Lomachenko has had some amazing performances. I just don't see Devin as a guy that falls into these traps. I don't see him as a guy that gets tired in fights. I've seen him lose focus late in fights. We saw him get clipped against Linares late in that fight. And that was a fight Haney dominated for 9 rounds, gets caught in the ninth, and then closes the show in a safe fashion. But he, he wins 10 out of the 12 rounds. But the only thing people were talking about is that time that Haney got caught. That's when you know you're a great fighter. When people talk about that one time you get caught. Like when Floyd Mayweather got caught against Shane Mosley. If you talk about that one shot. They don't talk about how he dominated that fight though. They don't talk about that. They talk about that one moment in a round where he looked vulnerable. I think Devin Haney learned from that. I think Devin Haney's progression and the way he's been moved with his last five or six fights, they've progressed each and every time, slowly stepping up, preparing him for this moment right here. This is a big fight. This is the biggest fight of his career. It's the biggest fight of Loma's career. Because I don't think Loma can go out with three losses for a guy that hasn't had that many pro fights. It doesn't look good. Pundits can say, hey, and this isn't this is sounds funny, but this is true. They can say, hey, the silly Lomachenko lost to Teofimo, lost to Devin Haney, and lost to an Uber driver. And I'm not joking when I say that. I know it's funny, but I'm not joking when I say, oh, he lost to an Uber driver. No, Orlando Salido is on record saying he was driving Uber while he was also training to fight Vasily Lomachenko. That's just a fact. So when you say that, it just doesn't sound good for a guy that was touted as the best thing since sliced bread. The best fighter since Muhammad Ali. Those are the type of things people were saying about Lomachenko. That is why he gets so much flack. He gets so much hate. People saying he's overrated. Which when you're saying he's the best since Ali. You are overrating him. But he's also underrated. And in fact when people say. Oh you know he's never that good. He was, He was just a hype job. No. He has the pedigree. He's done the work. So when Devin Haney beats him. I don't want to hear about how he wasn't this, wasn't that. Lomachenko is a great fighter. Devin Haney, to me, is just generational. We're going to find out, though, Saturday night. Devin Haney deserves all the credit in the world because he could have moved up to 140. He's a guy who, when you're going to see him at the weigh-in, he's going to look drained. This is probably his last fight at the weight. He wanted this fight so bad for his legacy because he's been asking for this fight for four years. So this is the culmination of four years of calling this guy out. Now you're meeting him. What are you going to do with this opportunity? Well, Womachenko, you want to be undisputed? What are you going to do with this opportunity? I can't wait for this fight. I think it's going to be competitive, but with Haney winning the rounds. Like close rounds, but Haney won them. Something like that. But I expect Haney to be looked at as one of the best fighters on the planet after this performance. I wouldn't be surprised if he cuts Lomachenko up because people could talk about the power. While Haney doesn't have the power, he is super sharp. Those punches are super accurate and they have a snap to them. They may not be those thudding shots like Javante Davis or something like that. But they're accurate, they're precise, and they're quick. I like Devin Haney here. Like I said, 9-3 to three or 8-4. to four. That's what I'm taking. If you're a gambling man, there are some good odds if you take Lomachenko. I don't think he's going to win the fight, though. So I can't advise you to place that bet. My money's on Devin the Dream Haney. I think we see a scenario where Devin takes them early rounds fairly easily. Loma is competitive. In the middle rounds and then makes a late surge out of desperation where he has to press and he makes some mistakes late in that fight but he'll win some rounds in the process so that's where I think he'll get them rounds maybe two in the middle too late something like that four rounds for Loma but that's about it that's how I see it though anything can happen this is this is pro boxing if Loma wins this fight all credit to him I don't want to hear any excuses about Devin Haney not being able to make the weight or anything like that, and just like when Devin Haney beats Loma, I don't want to hear anything about Devin was too big, Devin was too strong, because listen, at the end of the day, they're both fighting at 135 pounds, they're both making weight, and Lomachenko has made a career out of fighting bigger, stronger guys. Linares was a much bigger guy than him. He drops him in that fight. The only time Loma's ever been dropped. Loma gets up and stops Linares to the body. Um, Nakatani, who's basically six feet tall. Lomachenko beat the piss out of him. So I don't want to hear anything about size in this fight. Skills pay the bills. The more skilled fighter will win this fight. And I just believe that Devin Haney is the more skilled fighter. Let me know what you guys think. You can add me on Twitter at someone else. And while I'm loving this main event, this whole card is actually really fun. This is a three fight pay per view card, but ESPN is doing something really special here. And they're putting an excellent fight on free television on ESPN, regular ESPN, not ESPN Plus, live on ESPN. You're going to get an excellent 50 50 matchup for the super flyweight title. Junto Nakatani, one of the best super flies in the world. with 18 knockouts. This guy's all action. He's going against Andrew Maloney, who's another great fighter. 28 fights. He has 25 victories, 2 losses, 1 no contest. He is coming off 4 consecutive victories. This is going to be a fun one. This is going to be on free TV. I'm glad it's on free TV so more people can get exposed to this fight. And then they can make the decision. Do they want to buy the pay-per-view, which is a three-fight card? I think you should buy the pay-per-view. Don't stream it. This is a fight that is worth the price of admission. Of course, I broke down the main event, Haney versus Lomachenko. But on the pay-per-view card, you're going to get two other excellent matchups. You have Ray Marathia, one of the best prospects in boxing. He's in the lightweight division in the same division as Loma and Haney. He's fighting hard-hitting, Jamiah Nakatila, former opponent of Shakur Stevenson. Shakur was on record saying this guy was hitting so hard, I didn't want to exchange with him. So if Marthaya isn't on his A game, he could get knocked out here. We're going to see if, if Moritaya has the goods. If he is as good as we think he is, he'll win this fight. If he's not, he could get knocked out. So that is a fun one to open the card. And then the co-main, we have a rematch. Oscar valdez Against Adam Lopez. Lopez dropped Valdez in the first fight. Valdez ends up stopping Lopez. Which was a controversial decision. Stop me if you've heard that before. It was an early stoppage. In the 7th round. These guys are running it back. At that time Oscar Valdez. Was probably on performance enhancing drugs. As we know he tested positive. Since that fight. So we'll see if the rematch. Goes any different. Either way. It should be all action. You know Valdez is a one-trick pony. He's trying to land that left hook. But Adam Lopez has a great left hook of his own. This is going to be a war. Worth the price of admission. $60 pay-per-view. Not that bad in today's climate where a lot of these pay-per-views are $85. Sometimes even higher. $60. bucks. you have got a couple friends over. Everyone throws a few dollars. Order some pizzas. Make it a thing. If you can afford to buy the pay-per-view... Please do not stream this fight. I always say, if you don't support the things you enjoy, the things you enjoy may no longer exist. So buy this one. It will be worth it. Oh, also on, on the free ESPN card, it's only a two-fight card. You've got Junto uh, Nakatani against Maloney, like I mentioned, which is an excellent matchup. 50-50 fight right there. Could be fight of the night, really. But also on that card, you've got Nico Ali-Wall. <laughs> Sorry, I always laugh when I bring this guy up. Nico Ali Walsh, the quote-unquote grandson of Muhammad Ali. This guy's trash. I'm sorry. He's garbage. He's only there because who his grandfather is. His opponent hasn't even been announced yet. That's how you know it's a joke. It's just a can they could throw in there for Ali Walsh to get out of there. And sometimes he struggles with these bumps. That just shows what kind of level he's on. Whenever he steps up and fights a real fighter, this kid's going to be roadkill. You heard it here first. He's more for the casuals to hear, oh, that's Niko Ali, that's that's Ali's grandson. I know Muhammad Ali, that's his grandson, look, he's wearing the same trunks. Listen, this guy sucks, get him off my screen, I don't ever want to see him again, but other than that, this is a fantastic card, I cannot wait for it, i am fired the hell up, inject it directly into my veins, this is what the sport of boxing needs. But that's all I got for you guys this weekend. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Give me that five-star review if you've got time. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Enjoy the fights. I'm out.